today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Yeah, God might get our attention, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to turn our hearts to the Lord once He does. See, the choice is ours. God will never force us to choose Him. He's given us free will. He doesn't want us to choose Him by force. He wants us to choose Him and His will of our own volition. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Most people don't respond well when forced to do something. It's much more rewarding when you do an act out of your own will. You follow through with calling someone because you wanted to, not because your mom asked you to. Today, Pastor J.D. teaches on God wanting you to choose Him of your own will. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 21 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This prophecy is against Edom. Edom was the descendants of Esau, known as the Edomites. And this comes from the watchmen of the night who's put in place, and God uses the watchman, why? To sound the alarm, to warn the people, to get their attention. This is what's coming. What's coming, watchman? And it is incumbent upon the watchman on the wall, the watchman in the tower who keeps watch over the city. So anything that comes, any threat, any harm, any danger that approaches, that watchman is responsible to sound the alarm, to wake the people up in the middle of the night, and to get their attention because of what's coming. When we get to Ezekiel again, there's a lot of intersect here with Ezekiel. We'll see, I think, one more. But um, Ezekiel is uh, it's pretty explicit concerning the watchman. So here's what happens. So if you're a watchman, and you don't warn the people, their blood is on your hands. That's pretty serious. And as a teacher and student of Bible prophecy, I take that very serious. Because as a watchman, as it were, it is my responsibility to sound the alarm about what's coming. Because if I don't sound the alarm, then your blood is on my hands. And conversely, if the watchman, I like this part of it better, because it works both ways, you flip it around. If the watchman is faithful and does sound the alarm, and the people do not respond, (laughs) the blood is not on my hands it's on yours. My hands are clean of the blood of any man. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul said, it's recorded in the book of Acts. I have the blood of no one on my hands. Why? Because I did not cease from teaching the whole counsel of God. When I'm standing before God, giving an account before God, 
I will have the blood of no one on my hands, because I did that which God commanded me to do. And this is what the watchman is doing here in this prophecy. Verse 13, we're going to kind of turn a corner here. And now this is a prophecy, a burden against Arabia. This is the area we know today, modern day Saudi Arabia. Uh, at that time it was ancient Sheba and Dedan. We see this again in Ezekiel, that very well-known prophecy, yet future. Ezekiel 38, specifically verse 13, where Sheba and Dedan and Tarshish, which we'll see as well, they only protest this allied invasion of Israel to take a spoil. This invasion that it has at the helm, Russia, Iran, and Turkey, along with other nations listed there in Ezekiel by their ancient names. And Saudi Arabia, by their ancient name, is mentioned in verse 13 of Ezekiel 38. But here, ironically enough, in verse 13, we have another prophecy concerning this region we know as Saudi Arabia, the burden against Arabia. In the forest in Arabia, you will lodge, O oh, you traveling companies of Dedanites, Dedan, Sheba and Dedan, O oh, inhabitants, verse 14, of the land of Temma, bring water to him who is thirsty. With their bread they met him who fled, for they fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, and from the distress of war. For thus the Lord has said to me, this is very specific, and oh by the way, parenthetically let me say, I don't mean to be too discombobulating here, but this is very important. No other religious writing has prophecy. The Qur'an, the amount of prophecy in the Qur'an, you ready for it? Wait for it. Zero. Only the Word of God, the infallible Word of God, dares to prophetically declare that which is going to come in the future. And God says, this is how you will know that I am God. I'm going to tell you by way of prophecy what's going to happen, so that when it happens, you'll know. And the litmus test is 100%. Not 99.999999 ad infinitum, 100% accuracy when it comes to prophecy. This is specific prophecy. And make no mistake about it, when God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I'm not upset, I just, it's verse 16. Yeah, maybe I am. <laughs> For thus the Lord has said to me, listen to the specificity, within a year. That's pretty specific. You know these false prophets and their prophecies, they're so generic. The sun will rise. Wow, that's really specific, isn't it? <laughs> Got a pretty good chance of that happening. From the east, wow. No way. Within a year, according to the year of a hired man, all the glory of Kedar will fail. And verse 17, the remainder of the number of archers, 
The mighty men of the people of Kedar will be diminished, for the Lord God of Israel has spoken it. I love that. Translate it. God said it. That settles it. The Lord spoke it. What did the Lord speak? He spoke this prophecy that it would happen in a year. Guess what? I know you're going to be shocked. It happened in exactly one year from the prophecy when it was declared. And the year was the year 716 BC, exactly as God said it would happen. That should be so encouraging to every single one of us, right? Because God has prophesied and foretold us what is going to happen in the future. And He has spoken it. We have His Word. And if we have His Word and God said it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay, I feel better now. Let's move on. Chapter 22, doing pretty good, huh? Verse 1, the burden prophecy against the valley of vision. What ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? You who are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city? Your slain men are not slain with the sword, nor dead in battle. All your rulers, verse 3, have fled together. They are captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from afar. Therefore I said, look away from me. I will weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me because of the plundering of the daughter of my people. You know who this prophecy is about? Sadly, it's about Jerusalem. And this explains why it is that Isaiah would weep so bitterly, so much so that he would say, don't even try, don't even bother trying to console me. I am inconsolable. This is a prophecy against Jerusalem, and it is a prophecy about Babylon conquering Jerusalem and taking captive the Israelites. And this is the prophecy that Isaiah is to declare. Verse 5, for it is a day of trouble and treading down and perplexity by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down the walls, and of crying to the mountain. Elam, verse 6, bore the quiver with chariots of men and horsemen, and Kir uncovered the shield. It shall come to pass that your choicest valleys shall be full of chariots, and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse 8. He removed the protection of Judah. Hang on to that. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great. And what did you do? <laughs> You gathered together the waters of the lower pool. 
started to strategize, tried to figure out how you're going to stand up against this invasion and attack. You numbered, verse 10, the houses of Jerusalem took stock, and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. I know, let's take our houses and take the lumber, and let's build a wall so that we can withstand the Babylonians coming against us to take us captive. And you didn't stop there, verse 11. You think you're so clever. You think you're so smart, coming up with your own strategies and plans and your own strength. You also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool. But you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. And verse 12, in that day the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth, which was a, an outward sign of mourning and grief and sorrow and remorse and repentance. But instead, verse 13, instead of responding like that, your response was joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? The, the Lord has got your attention, and He's told you what's going to happen, and what is your response? You don't repent, you party. You don't fall on your face before the Lord in repentance. Instead, you start shoring up the walls of defense. Then verse 14, it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts, surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord God of hosts. There's a very important lesson to learn here. And it's that of, yeah, God might get our attention, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to turn our hearts to the Lord once He does. See, the choice is ours. God will never force us to choose Him. He's given us free will. He doesn't want us to choose Him by force. He wants us to choose Him and His will of our own volition. This is why it is, I believe, that there was that one tree in the garden, in the midst of the garden. Of all the trees they could eat, but of this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they were forbidden to eat. Why put it there? Because now they have a choice. They have a choice to obey me. They have a choice to choose me. See, if, if all the trees they could eat from, then it's just automatic. But I've given them a choice. And never think for a second that God in His omniscience didn't know that that was the choice they were going to make. 
And never imagine, I mean it's almost blasphemous to even utter it from one's lips, but never imagine that Jesus as the second and final Adam was plan B. No way. This was the plan from the very beginning. God in His foreknowledge knew that Adam and Eve would choose to sin, that sin would enter the world. See, I remember early on as a young believer, and I know I'm digressing here a little bit, but maybe this is for somebody here today, especially if you're struggling with this. I know I did early on in my walk with the Lord. I could just not wrap my spiritually immature mind around why it is that when Lucifer, you know, rebelled in heaven, this is before he was cast down to earth, when he said, I will ascend my throne above the Most High. Oh, you will, will you? You know, and he caused that rebellion. That was the first sin, by the way. The first sin wasn't in the garden. The first sin was in heaven. That's why there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. And by the way, Satan still has access to heaven. I hope that doesn't mess you up. Ask Job. I don't think you'll be interested once we're there, but Satan still has access to heaven. So if I were God, and Lucifer did that, I would have just said, you know what, zap. Anybody else want to rebel? No, I'm good, I'm good. Do you see what's just happened there? You have just changed the entirety of eternity. Because now, instead of serving God out of devotion and worship and gladness and joy and love, you're serving Him out of fear. Can you imagine the dialogue in heaven after something like that? This is why I'm not God. It's why you're not God either, because we would have zapped Him, right? you imagine the dialogue in heaven after something like that? Oh, do you see what God did to Lucifer? <laughs> Yeah, oh, he wanted to rebel. You heard about that? Yeah, we were ready to go with them. A third of us were. Yeah, well, God just zapped him. I know we better watch our P's and Q's, right? All of a sudden now it's all out of fear. God had to let sin run its course. So that by the time, I know this might be an oversimplification, but by the time you get to the book of Revelation, and there is this I mean, I don't, I, I don't know, for lack of a better word, there is this, this cry, who is worthy to open the scrolls? And then when Jesus is the one that is worthy throughout all of human history, all of the suffering, the death because of sin, and now we have a Savior and a Redeemer who is worthy, and His name is Jesus. And the relief is like, oh, now I get it. And oh, by the way, one more thing. If, if God would have done what I would have done if I were God, and zapped Lucifer, we wouldn't be here. Think about it. We wouldn't be studying our Bibles. No need. No need. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I know that was a really, uh, uh, 
digressing, but who knows the mind of the Lord, right? But when God gets our attention, the choice is ours. What are you going to do? Are you going to turn to the Lord, or are you going to turn away from the Lord? It's your choice. Yeah, okay, you got my attention. Well, it's about time. I got your attention, boy. No, it's not like that. It's like, I got your attention, because danger, 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 danger. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? The choice is ours. Verse 15, thus says the Lord God of hosts, go, proceed to this steward, to Shebna. We're introduced to this man. This is an interesting guy. Who is over the house, and say, what have you here? (laughs) And whom have you here, that you have hewn a sepulcher here, as he who hews himself a sepulcher on high, who carves a tomb for himself in a rock, making a name for yourself, are you? Indeed, verse 17, the Lord will throw you away violently, O mighty man, and will surely seize you. He will surely turn violently and toss you like a ball into a large country. There you shall die, (laughs) and there your glorious chariot shall be the shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office, and from your position he will pull you down. Whoa! Who is this guy? (laughs) Well, his name we're told is Shebna. We know that from Scripture that he was a servant of King Hezekiah, but this guy had a problem, and it's kind of interesting that it would be included here in this chapter, in this prophecy, but it's a prophecy not concerning a nation or a people. It is a prophecy concerning a man. And this is, this man was a man full of himself. Everything was all about himself. He wanted to make a name for himself, and God is going to have the final word. And not only will he have even though he carved out a tomb, he had to be pretty wealthy at that time to do that, to make a name for himself. You know, it's kind of interesting, it's missed here in our our culture, but in the Middle East, uh, in the Arab culture particularly, and so too in the Hebrew culture, but in the Middle East, to this day by the way, if you have a girl, it's kind of like, oh, it's a girl, I'm sorry, everybody goes home. If it's a boy, Why? Because the boy carries the family name. If you're a girl in the Middle East, you're nothing. The firstborn son, which I was. (laughs) Anyway, my poor sister, I, I love her so much and just never really had a fighting chance growing up in our home with our culture, but The boy is who carries on the family name, not the girl. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. 
Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with the old wind.